Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 7th of December 2020, and it's with Jeanette Sehar. One of my main talking points with Jeanette was how she candidly spoke to me about her struggles during lockdown, and I spoke to her about her career, which involves the media, and what sort of mindset you require to become successful. Some listeners might find the topics we discuss distressing. Jeanette, I really appreciate your time. How are you? I'm okay. I'm good. Hanging in there. How's uh, the year been then with, well, with all the pandemic that's been going on, not being able to travel as much? How have you coped? been interesting times. I mean, the way I've been coping myself is just taking it day by day as opposed to month by month or year, looking at the whole year. Um, For me personally, it's from March to May, I fell into this mild depression. And and I think it, it came about I had just gotten back from Egypt. So I spoke at a women's conference in Cairo and that was planned for a long time. If that conference had been any later than it was, it would have been canceled, of course. Uh, but I had just made it to Cairo, spoke at the conference and visited the pyramids, which was a magical experience in itself. Oh my gosh, it was so magical. And um, and then by the time I left Egypt, heading back to Los Angeles, they were closing down, you know, borders and countries and Egypt closed their borders and their hotels in the airport within days of me leaving. And when I got back to the U.S., it was probably the first week of March. Um, they, they weren't checking temperatures. Masks were not required to fly. Nobody asked me where I'd come from. It, the U.S. wasn't there yet um, at that time. And I got back to my apartment in Los Angeles and within days, everything, the whole world was shutting down. And I think I got depressed. Well, I'm, I'm a super sensitive person. I'm an empath. and I, I'm very sensitive, um, full of empathy. And it wasn't just me. It was a collective that I was picking up feelings of anxiety and easiness. And I think that's what got me depressed because so much, there was so much chaos. And if you turn on the news, it was just doom and gloom and, and just, it it just elevated my anxiety. And I'm sure it did to a lot of people. Your your lifestyle's changed. And then what do you do when you're in your apartment, you know? what you used to do you can't do and I totally understand how there has been a lot of people in the UK I I don't know the US you can tell me more about the US but in the UK there's a big emphasis on like mental health awareness so a lot of our companies uh jobs you know they make it a priority now so if they if they think you're feeling down they'll tell you to take time off and they encourage you to take time off and stuff but I guess in the US I know the U.S. mentality. Well, I don't want to generalize it, but I know the, the in the U.S. Uh, I've heard from a lot of my American friends and a lot of other Americans that you know you, you 
you live to work and here it's and maybe in Europe it's you work to live and I guess when you've gone from doing what you do which is what you love and then bang there's nothing it can be a moment like oh what do I do with my life yeah absolutely and I do agree with that sentiment as you know being born in California living in the U.S. pretty much my entire life and then living abroad in Italy twice and living in Australia, having those different experiences. I, and, and also just visiting Europe and other countries. I've been to 60 so far. Understanding the differences of the mindset. And I do agree that it's socially accepted here in the States. Work, 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 work. You know, build yourself up this corporate ladder. Do the white the house, the white picket fence, get married by this age, have kids, retire. This, it's just this blueprint that is accepted by Americans. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to go a different route or maybe like my mindset was, you know, you work to live, but not live to work. And here it's, it's very accepted. Like, oh, I work 60 hours a week and oh my gosh. And it used to be like, oh, good job. Like, you know, like you, you're dedicated, but I've worked at jobs. Um, I've worked at different companies before I fully went, you know, the entrepreneurial route. I've worked at different companies where a colleague uh, was he passed away tragically he had a brain aneurysm and within a week he was replaced and I understand it's the show must go on however it just people you know give their whole lives to these jobs not saying they don't appreciate it, it's just saying why not give your whole life to a dream why not you know, try to achieve your dream and give your whole life to that. Um, it was like Les Brown, who's one of the highest paid motivational speakers, I think in the world now. Um, he would say, you know, the graveyard is one of the most talented places because people die with their dreams. People, there's dreams within people who they don't pursue it for whatever reason, fear of failure, fear of success. They're not ready. They're not enough. There's many, many reasons, and um, it's very relatable. I really resonate a lot with the European mindset. Like when I lived in Italy, I really resonated uh, when I lived in Rome and Sicily. I loved how the weekends were the weekends, and nobody works on the weekends. You don't take your work with you. Enjoy your life. Also, uh, my family is originally from Mexico, and I would spend every summer in Mexico City with my grandparents growing up. And their mindset in Mexico is, I think, very similar to the European mindset. There is that here in the U.S. However, I do feel that I've been a part of the culture where it's, you know, work, 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 and just, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that. You said you resonate with what, how the European mentality is. Was that like a, a light bulb moment for you to say, you know, going forward now, I'll make sure that I, it's, it's about me. I look after myself. You know, I don't, it doesn't have to be all about work. Right. I think I, I, I've always had kind of that mentality, but I think being in the pandemic and the lockdown uh, really forced me to have a lot of introspection, really reflect what have I been doing with my life and what am I going to do moving forward? Um, because this was a, this is probably the longest time I've ever been landlocked and still, right? Because before the pandemic started, I had plans to go to Italy, to go to France, to go all these places that I had worked up to and scheduled in advance. 
Um, and also in March, it's a fun fact, I was actually going to take a production crew with me. We we're going to film a pilot uh, for a show treatment that I wrote the year prior. And um, I wanted to film the pilot episode. It didn't happen for logistical reasons. Uh, Egypt required a lot of paperwork for filming at locations, etc. It's a whole different country. And to be honest, I had not been to Egypt yet. So I decided to hold off on the pilot not you know go with the crew um but i still went with my you know my sister and i went with my and so it was amazing i had the first time experience on my own and now i know what egypt is like for example if i decide to go back um, that being said basically my whole plans for 2020 just like many people was just out the door and that was a part of the reason why i felt depressed and especially in march of course, it was personally, it affected me, it affected my professional life. Yes. But another aspect of that was so much deeper. And I think this is where these conversations are good because it's time to connect and to get vulnerable and to understand that, for example, mental health, there's a stigma about it here. It's like people don't want to say, you know, when you're not having a good day, you, you don't want to say it. You're just like, oh, fine, right? But it's normal, you know, to not always have it together, especially during the pandemic, where a lot of us are experiencing this for the first time in our lives. And so much is out of our control, right? But for me, it was just accepting and surrendering what was happening is out of my control. And I also have a lot of uh, abandonment issues. So for me, with someone who comes with abandonment issues... I used to leave every job, every guy, boyfriend, every place before they could leave me. And I didn't understand that that was a way to protect myself uh, subconsciously. I was doing that for many years because if I left you or I left LA or I left a job, you'll never leave me. So I want to experience that abandonment. So I'm going to leave first. There's so much that goes into our decisions and it really took me understanding that I was running away a lot of the time and I had to do a lot of this inner work, therapy, coaching, and to understand that it's okay when I don't feel okay to be like, I'm not okay. And I think during the pandemic, I finally reached out to say, I'm not okay. I'm sad. There's so much out of my control. And it's really triggering my abandonment issues. I mean, abandonments and stuff, situation like this can obviously bring it up. Um, when I first went into the pandemic myself, uh, I sort of felt, I didn't feel depressed, but I was sort of getting down and, you know, how much TV can you watch? Um, most weekends I was away and then all of a sudden I'm not, you know, and uh, so I had to quickly sort of find ways to do things. And even though you, you, you've gone through personal, you know, issues uh, in terms of feeling abandoned, abandoned at times, um, you, you've yeah. got through it, I think. So that's really important. I was telling someone earlier today that um, towards the end of last year, I said to myself, well, I want to be a, a travel show host uh, on TV or radio. And, you know, I told my friends and my friends would just laugh at me going, are you crazy or what? Um, so I applied for like the BBC travel show. 
um, they said to send in a a, a tape, or I should say, a vi- you know, a digital recorded these days, you say tape years ago. Um, so I did, didn't hear back. But then I didn't let that get to me thinking, oh, they've not come back to me. Uh, this is the thing, actually, um, when it comes to expecting or you think you're, you deserve a chance, they probably th- think, well, you haven't got any experience. Well, what do you do? You don't just sit there doing nothing. So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, let's, tr- let's start this. This is something I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, I had the opportunity. I got a job on the radio. And then Travel Unity, who I um, did the, the hosting the other day, um, they want to notice me if I didn't do the show on, on YouTube. So you, you have to have the work ethic, though. And I know I said in the U.S., obviously, it's lift to work and stuff. We do have a mentality here as well. Obviously, work ethic is really, really important. And no one's going to give you anything on a plate Shabs, and thank you for sharing your story and your journey. I think one important factor that is often not discussed during webinars or panels or, or whatnot is the importance of mindset, the mindset work and the importance of self-worthiness, the importance of self-development. That, that is, to me, that was the game changer into the success, whatever success means to people whatever success means to me because going to an opportunity just like you were explaining with the bbc i i don't take anything personal anymore like i can apply for this i could shoot for that i can um i've gone to auditions for shows and and whatnot in los angeles you know prior to just dedicating myself fully to travel i worked in entertainment reporting and i did the red carpets when I was in LA, I also went to hosting school where I would take classes, like three-hour classes every week. I would learn how to do individual reporting, uh, co-hosting on you know, panel, um, really understanding more the, the craft and the skill set. And then I also got into Toastmasters. I got to public speaking classes. I got two mentors for public speaking. I really invested my time and money into the education of this, the craft. And I really wanted to be better. And I know the mindset is you can always improve. And even the experts were in class with me and they were on network TV shows, you know, doing hosting, like, I don't know, MTV and all these awards. And they were there because their mindset was, I can always grow and improve. It wasn't, I made it so I don't have to do anything. But, you know, one of the important things is in my whole life and career was I had the fear of success. And that is something why understanding the mindset, understanding yourself is what's going to set you apart and what, you know, in your journey, because anytime an opportunity would come to me or I was in the right place at the right time, I could self-sabotage that because I would say, oh, I'm not ready or I'm not, you know, fill in the blank. And some people have fear of failure. I can't do it because what if I fail? What if this person says this and whatnot? It's very common, but at least recognizing if you have one of these fears and which one it is, working on those blocks, however you can work on it, coach, therapist, whatever helps you, breaking those blocks so that you get out of your own way. Because often we get in our own way. And I could say that for 10 years now in retrospect, 
I could have done 20,000. I went to UCLA for producing film and TV with the intention to produce a TV show. Now, 90% of my classmates are producing like network TV and movies. And it took me like nine years to write my treatment and to finally believe in myself and to pitch it. And, you know, that's what I mean. I didn't feel ready, even though I had it in me the entire time. I had to break through my own blocks, my own fears. And this is something that everyone feels at some level. We all feel fears. It's human nature. Um, so even the most successful people have talked about their fears and failures and whatnot. It's part of the process. It's part of the journey. But also, how do you look at failure? I look at failure as a learning lesson. Like, okay, at least I put myself out there and I tried. I gave it a shot. And I don't take it personal anymore. I used to take failure personally. You need failure sometimes uh, to succeed in something else. And you mentioned the time timings there as well. You said you had your classmates, they made 80% of them sort of made it to, um, you make it in your own time. You know, there's a time and a place for it. You know, if it takes you eight years, nine years, so be it, you see. So I think I, was, I made a point the other day actually to someone that whatever jobs you do in between, they're actually mm -hmm. learning as you were talking about blocks, yeah. um, the way I explain it is um, you've got a house to build. There's bricks just lying there. It will take you time to lay each brick. You're not mm -hmm. going to do it overnight. You have to lay the foundations, yeah. lay the bricks. And that brick, by the time you know it, you've, you've built your house, you would be like, oh, you know what? I've done one house, let's do another house. So that's the yeah. mentality that you need to have, but also to think that it's not going to happen overnight. And this is where I think... A lot of people in recent times have said, oh, I, I didn't get this, didn't get this. But did you really have the foundation, the core values? So I think that's really, really important. Exactly. And I think this is important to discuss because maybe we live in this world where social digital world, which is great, but it often shows a highlight reel, but doesn't show you the journey and doesn't show the reality, right? And so I think that's what, um, for example, in Los Angeles, my I remember my hosting professor or teacher in hosting class, she said, there's a, there's a famous saying in Hollywood, an overnight an overnight success in Hollywood is eight years of hard work. Meaning if you see somebody all of a sudden, they're there, they're here, they're everywhere. Oh my God, this person like, you know, wow, they're so successful. But you listen, you go back to their journey. They probably put eight, 10 years of hard work, jobs here and there, classes, mentors, this and that. And that like, for example, there's Jim Carrey, right? When Jim Carrey came from Canada to Hollywood, he lived out of his car. Um, and he came to Hollywood and he knew that he wanted to work in movies. He wanted to uh, make $10 million. But his current circumstances was he was living in his car performing at, you know, at the Hollywood, the comedy center. And he would, he, it's a really famous story. He says on, he said on Oprah, he would go drive in Mulholland, Mulholland Drive overlooking Hollywood. And he would visualize the directors he wanted to work with, the movies he wanted to play. And he even wrote himself a check for $10 million and he dated it for five, um, I'm sorry, five years in the future. And he put it in his pocket and it deteriorated, deteriorated. But during that time, he went on auditions, 
failed, came back, get, get, went to the comedy club, maybe kept going, kept going. It's the journey, you know, success is not the, the straight line. It's like this. It's like, you know, you, but if you keep going and you're persistent, you will make it. When? I don't know. How? I don't know. But you got to keep going. And so five within a five-year you know year period, he got the Ace Ventura, he got the mask, and he got $10 million. And he he went on Oprah and he like, he said it took him like a good five or so years, but of hard work, never giving up consistency. Sylvester Stallone, he was so poor that he sold his dog. It's a famous story. He sold his dog for like $25. He wrote the script Rocky in the interim and he started pitching it to, you know, television studios got rejected, 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 then finally got some interest. And they're like, well, we want our own actors. And he said, no, it's my script. I'm going to play Rocky. And they finally took him seriously, offered him hundreds, I don't know what, thousands of dollars. He went back to the gas station to find the guy he sold his dog to and bought his dog back for thousands of dollars. You know, there's so many stories like this. And the thing is, is what I like to tell people is how one, how bad do you want this dream? Right. Because like you said earlier, no one's just going to hand it to you and no one just handed it to me either. Like these are the things that I've had to consistently work at the, the skill set, my craft, I have mentors for public speaking, for hosting. I have mentors for every part of what I'm doing, writing, um, producing. I also took classes, years of classes, all working on the skill set. But one of the key factors that I didn't realize was the mindset. So that is equally as important. What you believe in yourself, what you believe your worth is, you know, what you believe is possible despite what other people are saying, because there's always going to be people that don't believe it or don't think it's possible. They're out there. And, you know, you just got to believe in, in yourself and your dream more than anyone and more than anything, because, you know, it's a really common success leaves clues. And some of the most successful people saw it in their mind and believed in it. And that's why, for example, like, it's ironic that I have the vision board here, but I have a vision board here. And one of my vision boards has like the goals that I want. So one of them is like National Geographic. I mean, it's still a work in progress, right? But it's something that I've, I've done for five years and it's kind of working with the law of attraction, but I'm a visionary. So I see things in my mind. I know it's possible. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know I'm going to do it. And just like when you plant a seed, you know, the plant or the tree it grows organically over time. You're not going to plant a seed and say, where are you tree? Where are you? Where are you? Like you can't rush the process, right? You plant the seed, you water it, you nurture it and it will grow. And I think that's the same thing with success, but we live in such an instant gratification world where we want it now, give it, give it, give it. It's not going to happen that way. And if it happens that way, it's going to be fleeting. It's going to come and go. It's like, where do these people go? You never hear from them again because, you, like you said earlier, you have to build the foundation. You have to plant the seeds. And a lot of business and a lot of what's happening is built on relationships and having that good, solid relationships of, I'm here if you need me. If you don't need me, I'm still here. Not, what can you give me? I need, I need, give me, give me. That's not going to work. And 
I feel like people, especially during these difficult times, you know, priorities are changing and the most precious commodity that anybody has is their time. You've hit the nail on the head um, in the topic of mentality and, and the visual aspect as you showed your um, your board there. Because if, if you don't visualize uh, being successful uh, then, and, and expect something from yourself, then who's going to believe you? You need to believe in yourself first and then get others to believe in what you're what you're do, doing. And as you were saying there, there's going to be cases where the Jim Carrey story, the Rocky, I've heard those stories before, you know, the, the people think they, they became successful overnight. It's not, you know, they, they've go through tough times. I know I've got quite a lot of uh, friends who are actors, you know, they do shows and then next thing you know, they're working in an office because they need to pay the bills. You know, they just don't, people just don't see that. People just see... Oh, yes, successful actor, but you just don't see the, the graft you see. So talking of success, your jet set was Jeanette. You know, that's become so internationally <laughs> recognized, you know. Uh, prior to, I mean, I've been following you for a couple of years, actually. So I've known some of your oh, stuff. So yeah, uh, I know we started stalking this year, but I've known about you for, for a while. So when you first messaged, yeah, so we've made it now into a success because you would a seasoned journalist you know tv hosting yeah. and talking about your schoolings and stuff but you've made yeah. that into a successful business and thank you i'm so grateful that you found me and to be on your show and i can't wait to see you keep rising and shining um yeah it's been a journey for me but um essentially i was a young girl watching i thought i wanted to be christiana amanpour like this foreign cnn news correspondent and then i saw the travel channel and i was like "Ooh, samantha brown who's still doing travel to this day i was like "Ooh, i want her job but it wasn't just you know traveling it was like seeing the world and sharing that with people that i loved and then it went even deeper it was it was I was realizing, yeah, I would go to Mexico City as a young girl every summer. My grandparents would take me all over Mexico and only speak to me in Spanish. So I had to learn that, which was interesting. And I love Spanish. Um, but it kind of showed me, wow, like there's a way to unite people. And it, it is through travel. So I've, I've known since a young girl that I was going to do something with that communication with travel. Um, and then I would read the newspaper to my family every night at dinner. Then I watched Oprah and I was like, Oprah, I want to be Oprah. I love Oprah. I mean, um, and then I started writing, which is the huge foundation of journalism, right? Is writing. And I remember writing to Cosmo Girl because uh, it was the, the teenage version of Cosmopolitan this time. And they had Jennifer Lopez on the cover. And I was so inspired to see a Latina on a cover as a young girl. Because imagine this in the States. I would usually see uh, if there was a woman, I should be like blonde. And I couldn't really relate on a level to that. So... I remember writing to Cosmo Girl, like, thank you for putting Jennifer Lopez on your cover. And they actually printed it in the magazine. I was like, whoa, like I had no idea, right? I was like 14. And then I realized my love for writing. And my mother, um, she had a travel agent at the time. My grandmother was going to have dialysis because she was diabetic. And she said, I want to take my mother to, uh, to Europe. Her dream is to see the Vatican because my grandmother was like super Catholic. 
And my mom said, before you have this dialysis, what is something you want, you want to do? And she said, I want to go to the Vatican. And my mother said, done. My mother said, called her travel agent, said, book me a trip to Europe with my kids, make sure we go to the Vatican. And my mother was, my parents were divorced at the time. So my mother did it with her one income. And she put all her savings into this trip because this was the gift of, that she wanted to give back to her mom. So I took a journal with me. And I, at that time, only disposable cameras were really available, especially on my like high school budget. And I took a lot of disposable cameras with me and I took a journal and I was literally just journaling, taking photos, journaling, taking, I did that in two weeks. I think it was eight countries, including, you know, England and Germany and Paris and France and, and Italy and Rome. And so I started journaling everything and I just fell in love with it. But on that trip, the most profound experience happened was when my, when we were on the, we did a bus, you know, tour, like my mom was super, admit about that and we got off the bus and the Vatican was like I don't know 200 feet away my grandmother got down on her knees and just started bawling and crying she literally could not believe that we were going to the Vatican to you know like the dream of all dreams and then because she was having such an emotional experience we all had it we we're crying watching her cry because you're seeing somebody's dream come true and that is the beauty of travel. So everything was lying, connecting the dots between wanting to share with the world, communicate, you know, understanding, journaling, pictures, the transformational experience that travel can have. So I came back from that trip. And then I started in the high school, like writing for the paper. And then when I started, you know, at 18, 17, they're like, okay, figure out what you want to do with your life, get a degree and figure. I was like, ah. And so, and then I, I got my degree in journalism. The great thing about that, though, was my advisor, uh, the dean of journalism, he was also the editor for the travel section at the newspaper, the Tennessean. And so he kind of guided me throughout my college career and um, helped me understand that. So it's, it's, it's been in me my whole life, right? Um, and it's just connecting the dots to it. And then I graduated from Belmont in Nashville. I got my first job actually at the Tennessee newspaper doing uh, video stuff for them at the time. And I moved back to LA. I got little jobs here and there. And then I signed up for UCLA's producing program, their professional program, because I like the creativity of producers and I wanted to understand the craft. I wanted to know how to, to produce a film or TV show. Um, so I did that. And then Again, I didn't really believe in myself yet. So I ended up working at Fox Sports and Sports because it was there, which was a great experience, by the way. But it wasn't my dream dream, right? It wasn't my big dream. And so I worked there for a few years. Then I left, moved to Italy. I wanted to live abroad. Then I lived there. I came back. Then I got a job in Australia <laughs> and I lived in Australia. And then the whole time my family was like, do you not love us? Why do you keep moving far away? I was like, I have to experience life. Bye. <laughs> and um, yeah, so my journey is like kind of, you know, been all the place, but the intention, the dream has always been in me, but I didn't feel ready yet. I didn't that. And that's what I mean. Like I waited 10 or so years to be 
like last year, I'd be like, I'm writing the show treatment. Let's get the meetings. Let's do it one way or the other. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Um, and, but I will say now I do feel ready because if I had tried to do it maybe five years ago, I didn't have all the experience I've gathered since then. So I really do believe things happen in the right time. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful. Another fun fact is as a woman, Shevs, I think that I have this, I want to have kids and get married as well. So believe it or not, I'm 34, which leaves me a tiny window to get my dream done, get married, have kids. <laughs> so that is the reality that some people face, especially women uh, who want to be in this industry and want to have both dreams. You know, it, it's kind of, you, you know, playing with the time and, and wanting to have it all, right? So. No, I mean, your, your success, though, has been recognized, you know, awards galore, you know. Uh, I mean, some of the recognitions that you've had in, in recent years as well. I mean, you've also done a lot of, um, because of all your, all your success, you, you've done so many public speakings, you know, not just uh, big public speaking. You go to like, schools as well, universities, um, you know, telling people your, your experience. And I think, that is that is really important um, for anyone listening uh, to hear your journey and the narrative. And obviously, you were on the the panel the other day uh, talking about some of these experiences. And I think one of the things that you've been talking for five years is having the diverse voice within the, the travel industry. Um, now, obviously, you, you're in the the media. You, you you're sort of there now. Um, why do you, why is that so important to you? And also, I think we've also highlighted as well. Um, you obviously get there with hard work. I think we've we've covered that area. But why why is it so important to you? I feel that communication is is such a powerful uh, platform. Media can be a powerful platform. I believe for the good, and I believe you know I've worked in news before, and I've also done a couple news TV internships. And I understood that that was necessary because it showed me what I didn't want to do. The news is necessary, but it's not for me. Like, I don't want to be the messenger of bad news. And so I turned down a few jobs in the beginning of my career to be a news reporter because it didn't align with who I was. For example, I... Um, I would do, you know, these reels at these news stations after, you know, building up my resume while I was doing these internships. And they would say, Jeanette, don't smile that much. And it's because it's serious, hard news. And, and you got to be very um, and serious and, and new. And I understand that. But you get to know me. That's, I, you know, I'm really goofy and, and just not serious. So I want to be the messenger of you know, hopeful news of hopeful uh, beauty of culture of history, a storyteller in a different way. And I really found the means of travel and media. Um, again, it took me about ten years to really put it together. My experience in both, right? Um, I believe the media can be very very good source uh, for a movement, for inspiration. I mean, I've been inspired by Bourdain, like a lot of people. I've been inspired by um, like a lot of people by watching them. And I think that 
a lot of people who maybe watch me, especially I hope young girls one day in the future can be like, oh my gosh, she did it. So I can do it. Right. Like my nieces who uh, are young and want to do things. I just, I just feel like it's, it's so important to not just in travel, but it's important everywhere to have women as a woman doing, you know, great jobs from the top to the bottom so that young girls don't have to question, you know, if they can or can't. I mean, Shabs, I've been told in my career, in my life by men, and it's not everybody. I'm, you know, men are great, but, but there's outdated beliefs by men that if you want to travel, then you have to choose between a career and travel. And I had a man, I've had men in LA tell me I travel too much, so they can't date me. I've had guys after I've spoken at conferences say, well, what are you going to choose a career or, you know, a family? And, and I say, but why do I have to choose? And they say, because you're a woman, you can't, you have to choose. I, these are the things that the adversities that I've encountered. And, you know, it's just, it's just um, something that propels me to want to keep doing what I'm doing because I think that it's a choice. And if a woman wants to have a career and travel, that is her choice, right? And if a woman doesn't, that's okay too. But I believe that we should open the doors for more women if they want to do that. See, there's a few points I actually want to make. Uh, so firstly, you mentioned Anthony Bourdain. That's when I first recognized you because you interviewed him. Uh, and I was a big fan of Anthony Bourdain and his show Parts Unknown before he passed away. So, um, so that's how I first got to to know you. Um, uh, secondly, um, you mentioned about the the career aspect, and obviously as a woman, and you mentioned earlier actually about you know you said you were thirty four. You know you want to maybe settle. You want to settle down. I know you said you want to do this. It's, it's funny because. I'm 33, so I'm not that much uh, younger than you. Um, and you were talking about role models and then saying, oh, Jeanette's doing this. So um, I mentioned this in the panel. I think with what you're doing um, and you were saying young girl. So, again, the, the story with myself, um, just to explain a little bit. So 20 years ago, 33-year-old, like myself, you know, from an Asian background, would have been married, you know, kids, mm -hmm. your job. That's it. That is what you do. You know, no person from, you know, my background ever goes into travel, don't, doesn't travel. You know, you have families, have kids, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I wanted to break away from that. And believe me, there was, there's been pressures, you know, from my early 20s and stuff to sort of, oh, okay, so you've done your degree, you know, you're going to settle down right now. I say, like, no, I want to do all this sort of stuff. So, um, so, I wanted to break that narrative and say, listen, 20 years ago, you know, this might have been the, the way things were. And there might have been people that have been trying to travel, trying to knock down the doors, but couldn't. You know, my generation, I like to think that I've opened the door now, you know, knocked on it and opened it. So the following generation can easily walk through it. So, for example, like you talk about nieces, my niece, or, yeah. you know, um, they can say, you know, my uncle did it. Yeah, you see, so and it doesn't have to be. And in, in our culture, for example, there's that unfortunate. Used to, well, it's hopefully it's starting to change where you get degrees in business, you know, mm -hmm. doctor, medicine degrees, or you know, degrees in accounting. Those and I did an art degree, and I got questioned. But apart from my family, my family supported me. 
immediate family, I should say, not maybe all my extended family, but like, what are you doing doing art and filming and painting and stuff, you know? It's really, what job are you going to get, you know? And so I said, well, I like being creative and, you know, I want to do this and this. And I'd get questioned. And I did mention it, by the way, in the panel where some people just didn't take me seriously. And still yeah. to this day, don't take me seriously at times. But I think sometimes those sort of things really do th- help you become who you are because you want to prove them wrong i still get people saying well who think who why, why do you think they're going to take you on you know and you're like well i'll prove you wrong sort of stuff so and then it's funny those are the people that might come back to you and say how did you do that you yeah, know and, and you're it, like yeah. it happens all the time so and it does happen you know it's true it happens all the time and listen everybody is coming from their own perspectives and their own experiences but i think when you are aiming high for some people it makes them feel uncomfortable and for whatever their reasons are the thing that I recognized is I in throughout my career my life too I used to play small right playing small by not aiming really high not emailing that person or calling them because who, who are they gonna what are they gonna say no what like so I wouldn't like I didn't feel ready right or I didn't feel enough and I worried about what other people would think. I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable because I'm, like I said, I'm a recovering people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy. I'm also an empath, so I can feel a lot of emotions and stuff like energies, things like that. Very sensitive to it. Um, let's go back to 2020. Now I recognize it's not my responsibility to make anyone feel anything. It's my responsibility to make me feel happy, complete. If I want to aim high, so be it. You know, if you want to aim high, so be it. Shoot for the stars, right? The thing is, is when you shine your light, when you play big, it will make others feel uncomfortable. It's just, it's just going to happen. And a part of that reason I think is because they're not playing big. So your shining is making them feel like, Oh, why is he going for that? I'm not going for that and I'm not ready. So why is he? So it's like this uncomfort, uncomfort, kind of like jealousy, right? What jealousy stems from. Jealousy is because, you know, somebody is shining, but why not be happy for their success? We don't know their journey. We don't know their struggles. We don't know uh, anything. Also, I used to be, I used to be quite not embarrassed, but I would be shy about my successes i would feel like like these awards or anything it would be like i'm bragging like oh my gosh she's bragging my mindset now is oh heck yeah i got this award i got the heck yeah like cuz i know i'm worth it i know my journey i know and if some person be is like oh she's bragging what else like i just can't like it's not my problem it's not my problem it's not your problem and it's not my responsibility. And it's your it's your journey and it's your responsibility to make Shebs happy, for Shebs to play big, to Shebs to do everything. And so be it. And some people are going to like it. Some aren't. It's not your responsibility. Uh, a lot of the things that I have dreamed, like the Bourdain interview, people don't understand that I, I got 10 rejections from that. I, I actually pitched to 10 different outlets and was told no 10 times because I was determined and because I knew this opportunity was once in a lifetime, I kept going. And my mindset was, 
I will go regardless. I'll buy my own ticket. I'll sit in the audience and I'll ask him. I, that is the determination, the mindset. One way or the other, I was going to be there. And the moment I said that, then an outlet called me and said, you know what? We changed our mind. Lala. And then it happened that way. But for me, it was going to happen no matter what. I think that's why mindset is so important. I know we've talked about developments that are coming up. Anything, other, other things that you might want to do in the next year? I'm definitely going to pick back up on my show and get that done um, in the next year. Hopefully um, travel abroad. You know, I haven't traveled since March and it was Egypt. So I hope to travel abroad again. Um, I'm taking French classes and Italian classes right now. My goal is to be trilingual and fluent in three or four languages. At least I want to be engaged by next year. Next year, I'll be the big five. <laughs> have, have, you, have, you, have you got someone in your life then? To, um, I guess we could maybe. say I have potentials. I have candidates. <laughs> but these are interesting times. And also, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm understanding self-love and love in a different way. So my expectations and standards are way higher than they've ever been in a good way. Because everything I expect from other people, I expect from myself. So, um, and it's only for the best. Like I, I just, yeah, I don't take crumbs anymore. Let's just say that I dated a lot of potential in Los Angeles. There's great guys in LA, but there's also not great guys and they just gave me crumbs and I'm not satisfied with crumbs anymore. Let's just say that. Um, so, or into the games, I don't have time for that. So, well, that's the thing you see. So when you get to our age, you're like, you know, forget the games. It's just, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? Because I right. have time left. <laughs> Where is your direction? Are we at least going in the same direction? Because if we're not, and I've said this, like, if you want to go date, go date. I just, I'm not that, I'm not your girl. Like, I'm going this way. And I, and I really mean it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be 35. And so for me, it's really realistic that I, my window is getting smaller to to have biological kids. It's not impossible. I'm not going to say that. You, know, you can have kids at 40s and whatnot. But I kind of want have an idea. I want to be a young mom. Like I want to be, I want the same energy in my 30s. So yeah, so that is one thing. Um, no big deal. <laughs> um, so I want to have, be engaged by next year. Hopefully at least be in that kind of relationship where in that, we're on that track, at least the same track. Um, I want to do that. I want to work on my show. One of the things I would love to do is to create a scholarship for a study abroad at my alma mater. I want to find ways to always to give back, especially to the youth. I feel like the youth um, is so important because I had a lot of people who believed in me from high school to college and mentors. And I did some fellowships and, and paid internships because I, I had those people, professors or people who believed in me. And I want to create something um, for students or for the youth if they don't have the funds, but they have you know, the dedication that they can have an opportunity as well. Because I feel like travel and education are the best gifts that you can give anybody. So for me, I always want to find ways to give back. So 
I want to do that. And, oh, gosh, I don't know, have kids in five years. I mean, there's, there's so much uh, that I admire about you and such your mentality. It's just amazing. So uh, I wish you all the success. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time. And uh, you never know if I can hopefully get to the U.S. one day. Uh, I'll give you a call and we'll have a yeah. bit. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.